0: The following message is from Kings Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. We are going to turn to God's Word. We are going to look at 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, uh, verses 14 to 17. And this is in our series on, we're starting a small, a small mini series on the Reformation. Uh, which is it's the 500th anniversary. I'll explain what that is in a second. But we're going to read 2 Timothy three fourteen 14-17, and, and then we're going to ask God to help us to understand his word. 2 Timothy 3, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Fathers, we look at your word, we ask you would help us um, to specifically understand this passage about your word, God, would you give us your spirit um, to trust you at your word and to lean on your word and to find joy in your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So why do we need the Bible? Why do we need this book that's like 2,000 years old or more? Um, It's an old book, and we don't want to just kind of look to it because it's uh, old and really old and written by a bunch of old dead people. Um, so why do we need the Bible? What's, uh, what is the reason that we need it in our lives today? That's kind of actually one of the issues that was going on 500 years ago. So when we talk about the Reformation, we're talking about, uh, an event that happened 500 years ago. Um, called the Reformation, and it started on October 31st, 1517, with Martin Luther, um, who was a monk, uh, a German monk, who walked up to the, the, st- the stairs of his church there um, in Wittenberg and nailed what's called the 95 Theses to the door of the church, uh, the church there. And it started this huge, um, huge cataclysmic change in the world And so that's what we call the Reformation. But at the core of it was one of these main questions is why do we need the Bible? What is the big deal about the Bible and why do we need it? Um, Out of the Reformation, these core things of the Bible, of what it means to be a Christian, crystallized. And we call these the five solas, right? So that's a Latin term. (laughs) Just so you know, I don't speak Latin, so I'm looking at Wikipedia to figure out what solas mean. <laughs> um, but the five solas of the Reformation, I think we have a slide here. This is what comes out of the Reformation. There, so this is what we, our series is built around. Sola Scriptura, uh, that means by scripture alone. Sola Fide, by faith alone. Sola Gratia, by grace alone. solus Christus, Christ alone. And soli Deo Gloria, glory to God alone. So the Reformation happened 500 years ago and what happened during that was basically kind of like a pressure cooker of lots of uh, people and wars and debates and um, exciting things and depressing things all kind of going on at the same time to crystallize down what are the, what are the foundations of the gospel um, because at the, at the core of the Reformation was a fight for, to preserve what is this core message of the Bible, this core message of who Jesus is, What do we mean when we say the gospel? And these five things actually are a bit of kind of like, they're like the foundations of what you might, uh, foundation stones of the gospel, Like Whenever you build a house, um, there's like essentials that you have to have. You don't have to have a Keurig in a house for it to be a house. It might be nice, but you don't have to have one to have a house. You do have to have um, some sort of stone foundation um, for it to be a house that's gonna last. You have to have, you know, beams that hold up the walls and you have to have a roof that goes over it to kind of make it a a final structure. You have to have all these kind of essential things to make it a house. And so when we talk about the five solas, we're not just kind of being like church history nerds and like pushing up our glasses on our face um, for the people who wear glasses, but we're actually just, we're talking about what does it mean to know God and to enjoy God and to be saved by God? Like, that's what we're talking about when we talk about the five solas. So we're not just being history geeks. We're actually looking at what does it mean to be a person of God. Do we have those slides? Oh, hey, look. You guys get my news feeds there. uh, uh, uh. uh. <laughs> so one of the main things that comes out of this is the, the first one is called Scripture alone. Right, Scripture has to be at the foundation of everything. Scripture is how we hear from God and know God and know who he is. And so that's one of the main things that's recovered in the Reformation, which is why we're starting out this series by looking at what does the Bible even mean? Because like, it's 66 books with like 40-something authors written over like four or 5,000 years. I mean, it's just incredible that this is now what we call the Bible, Right at the Reformation, the reason they're talking about the Bible so much is because at the, at one of the core issues is who has authority to tell me what to do. Right at the core of the, at the Reformation is, can you tell me what to do, and why do you have the authority to do that? Right, we we have the same issue today. Right, I mean, I don't know what your Facebook feed is like or what your news feed is like, but we've got all these things going on today. Right, like who has the authority to tell me what I can and can't say, who has the authority to tell me what I can and can't do with my body. Who has the authority to say we can and can't go to war? Who has the authority, um, right, to say, uh, like, what, why does government have authority? To what extent does government have authority? Right? These are all issues about, like, well, why do you get to say what you get to say or do what you get to do? What's the authority, right? That's the same thing was going on in the Reformation. Um, and that's why they keep looking back to the Bible. Like the Bible is where we're going to figure out what does it mean to hear from God, to know God, and to obey God. Um, and it's actually right where the Bible begins. The Bible begins with this question of what, is the, what does it mean to hear from God in Genesis 3. I don't know if we, we have the slide here. Genesis 3 actually has this great beginning. For the very beginning, you, you would think for a book that's all about hearing and obeying God, it's very honest about the struggles that we have about hearing God. Here, Genesis 3, the serpent, who is Satan was more crafty than all the other beasts in the field um that the Lord God had made, and he said to the to the woman to Eve, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? right the Bible itself starts out starts out with this core question: Where does the Bible get its authority from and that's where we're looking at this tonight, so as we were looking at the end of the Bible, second Timothy three. We're looking at this core question. How do we know what God actually says? How do we know that God's God's word is actually trustworthy? Like, how do we know that this book can be listened to? You guys with me hanging? It feels kind of hot in here. We're cool? Okay. I don't want to bore you to death. But as we're looking at this text, when we're, what we find here at, at, at 2 Timothy 3, if I ever say 1 Timothy, just kind of raise your hand and say, okay, right, right. right. 2 Timothy 3. We're looking at one of the key passages in the whole Bible about what is the Bible. And what we're going to be finding is that true faith trusts God's true word. True faith trusts God's true word is what we're looking at this uh, at in this passage. And so we're going to start out, like, how do, we, how do we do that? How do we trust God at his word? What does it mean to trust God at his word? To look at, his, at the book and say, God, this is what you've said. Um, the first thing we're going to see is loving Jesus. It, how do we do that? It means loving Jesus in the whole Bible. Loving Jesus in the Bible is the first thing we're going to see in this verse. So if you pick up your Bible with me, first 14, or it will be on the screen. But as for you, continue of what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation in, uh, through faith in Jesus, in Christ Jesus. Right, so the first thing that Paul does is when he starts talking about the Bible is he starts saying like, well listen, um, you've seen uh, you've seen the effects of the Bible around you. You've seen the effects of your, the Bible in your family. You've seen the effects of the Bible in people who believed it and trusted it. Um, but that's not the reason the Bible's true. <laughs> but what you see in them when you see people who are believing and trusting the Bible, it does the same thing that the Bible does. And where are their lives pointing? Their lives are always pointing to Jesus, right? The Bible itself is written so that it's pointing at Jesus. And people, these people who are teaching Timothy, right, his grandmother and his mother, their, their lives reflected lives that pointed to Jesus, which is the Bible has this effect on us where it turns our lives to the main point of the Bible, which is Jesus. And Jesus himself, when he starts talking about the Bible, he says, um, look, uh, all this is true, and it's all about me, which is a pretty astounding claim, right? Have you ever thought about that? Like, could you imagine, like, if I got up here and said, hey, guys, like, I just want to tell you, like, um, my calling card is the Bible. And um, if you've ever read the Bible, then you get to know me. But that's what Jesus does. All right, Luke uh, twenty four twenty seven, uh, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, this is Jesus, interpreted for them, In all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So Jesus, when he read four fifths of the Bible, right? So this much of the Bible, he said, "This is all. All this stuff, it's about me." And when he was in it during his ministry, his uh, his life and his dukes, his uh, his fights with the uh, Pharisees. Jesus just at one point just says and read in John five, for if you for if you believe Moses, so the early part of the Bible you would believe me, for he wrote about me. So when Jesus goes to the Bible, the first thing that he's talking about with the Bible is saying like, well, look, the whole thing is about me. Like the reason that the Bible is there is because uh, Jesus is coming. That's basically what he's saying. He's like, you know, like when you have like a wedding and you have like the the procession and everybody kind of like stands up and the bride and they open the door and here comes the bride. Like the whole Bible is all like the procession music, and then the standing up, and then it's all looking to Jesus to walk in the door. Like that's the, the Bible itself is doing that, all constantly telling us stories about why we need it and what Jesus is like and who He is. Which is why, when Paul says this, he says, "But as for you, continue what you've learned and firmly believed, uh, knowing from whom you have learned it and how, from childhood, you've been acquainted with the sacred writings." And then he says this phrase which are able to make you wise for salvation, right? So while it's true that the Bible is all about Jesus and all about what he's like and who he is, they are, the Bible is able to make you wise. But there's a bit of a problem, right? There's not a problem with the Bible though. The Bible is clear about what it's about. It's all about Jesus, but he uses that, that word able to indicate here's where the problem comes in. The problem is not so much that the Bible is not clear about Jesus and who he is and why we need him. The Bible is actually really clear about we can't see it because we've got the problem. <laughs> the Bible is making it very clear that the reason we don't always see the Bible clearly and understand it is because we are just like somebody who has horrible vision looking at the white mountains saying we can't see it, and the reason we can't see the White Mountains is because we got our hands over our eyes. When John Calvin, one of the guys of the Reformation, he called the Bibles uh, God's, God's glasses for us. Right? We pick up the Bible, and now when we look through it by faith, we see things clearly. Right? The, the Bible is the glasses to help us understand the world, to help us understand ourselves, to help us see Jesus as the answer for our problems not that our problems go away when we see Jesus but that the authority for understanding who we are and how we relate to our problems that's what changes All right scripture and the whole first part of the bible the whole old testament it's basically what it's doing is it's drawing an outline of who Jesus is and then Jesus shows up and he explodes it with color like that that's why I think it's helpful, one of the things that's helpful about the Old Testament is that it's really long and there's all these stories because um, it just takes time for us to get how big of a knucklehead we are and how we walk through different things in our lives and realize, wow, I'm really stupid. I can't believe I did that or that that's true about me. Um, well, it's because God gives us all these stories to show us, yeah, you're just like these, all these other people. Like, There's really no difference between you and people who lived 4,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago. But in that story, we begin to see the outline of how God comes in to save us and change us through Jesus. And then when we get the New Testament, now we get the, the main character. He's come in, remember the wedding doors? He's come in, He's come in, and it's all pointing us in about who he is and how he changes things. One of the things that I think is helpful with um, is that we tend to not think about the Bible as... Um, being mainly about Jesus, we tend to, I don't know about you, but some of my, my non-Christian friends say like, well, this, the Bible is just a big, big book of rules. <laughs> well, that's true, right? There's like 800 some um, rules in the Old Testament. There's like a thousand or so commands in the New Testament. Um, but that's not the main point of the Bible, right? The main point of the Bible is about Jesus. But when we treat it like a rule book, it becomes disastrous for our lives because we can't keep them. We can't keep all these like the commands. Like the commands are there to show us that we're dirt bags, and that Jesus is great. Like that's the that the the point of the the Bible is to say, yes, you can't be you can't be good people, <laughs> but there has been one who has been good for you, right? Because when it says that it's all about Jesus, it's not just kind of like Jesus, like the shepherd guy with you know like the hippie hair and like the you know, the sandals who kind of walks around telling people good things. It's specifically about Jesus coming and living the life that we couldn't live, obeying God perfectly, and then going and dying in our place for the wrath of God that we deserve for all the things that we couldn't do. Like we can't, because we, we've sinned against God so greatly. The whole Bible is God's redemptive invitation to come and meet Jesus, right? It's, it's all about, look, yes, you can't save yourselves, But it's about Jesus. So if you treat all these things that you can't fulfill, like, hey, this is my checklist, and I'm going to do these things and get this done, it's going to be horrible. Like, the Bible is not going to be your friend. Or the Bible is not going to replace the Holy Spirit in the Trinity. Right? You notice the the purpose of this is to say you need the Bible because you need Jesus. It doesn't say you need the Bible so you, you don't need God in your life. Right what I mean by that is to say it's not the trinity is not father son and the holy bible we get the bible so that we see Jesus we get to God himself right we we believe in the active presence of God in our lives we want God we want to experience him and know him and believe in him and enjoy him but the bible is true but the bible is not a person right? the bible is God's voice to us to invite us into himself we should we go to Jesus Right, so the the Bible doesn't um, somehow become like, well, God, it's really great that you're up there, but thanks for your word because now I know what you need or, or, or who you are. No, the Bible is actually we're going to see this in the next verse. We're going to look at the Bible is an invitation to see God face to face. So, you guys tracking with me? We're cool. All right. So, one of the things I think that that does for us is like just to say like, listen, like, are we reading our Bibles <laughs> not for our hobby horses? But for Jesus, uh, I mean, you can look to the Bible and find all these little, like, things, um, sidebars, you know, what are the end times going to be like, um, what are, you know, Christian values for government, what are Christian values for art, what are Christian values for science, all those things. Those are good things you can look to the Bible and learn. But if you're reading the Bible for your hobby horses, you are missing the main point of the Bible. (laughs) Like, we read the Bible so that we get Jesus, we read the Bible so that we get to know him and enjoy him and walk with him, right? We don't read the Bible to, to, like, to build up our Facebook posts so that we can say, like, ha, gotcha. Like, we got our point across. This is our main thing. You know, this is why your politician is horrible and this is, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, the Bible is all about Jesus so that we get him. It's not about supporting your hobby horse. I, I just want to encourage you, if the Bible is all about Jesus, read broadly. Like, we tend to want to read, like, the epistles, like the, like the little letters in the back. Like, if you want to start small, like, read the book of Ruth. It's like four chapters in the Old Testament. But read, look to read the whole Bible just because you're going to get to know who Jesus is by reading the whole Bible because he deals with a bunch of knuckleheads just like you and me all through the whole Bible. But he still is gracious and merciful to them. And as we're going to be talking about this, you're going to hear this from me. Like one of the main applications for the, for, for the sermon is um, read, read the Bible. <laughs> That's going to be like one of the main applications for every one of these points, read the Bible. And one way, that, just to give you a heads up, we're going to be preaching through the book of Matthew um, starting in December. If you want to follow along, like one way to kind of get into your Bible more is just to pick the day of the month and read that chapter of Matthew. So if it's December 1st, read Matthew 1. December 2nd, read Matthew 2. December 3rd, read Matthew. so there's like 28 chapters in Matthew, so you get a couple freebie days in the month, but this is a way, I of encourage them, of like, how can we get more of Jesus into our lives through his word? It's really, it's really simple. I think we're all literate people, just pick up our Bible, and turn it towards our face, and say, okay, Jesus, I'm ready to meet you. All right, you guys tracking me, we're going to look down at Verse 16. So we looked at loving Jesus in the Bible, that's the first thing that we, that we learn about what does it mean to trust God as true word, right, seeing that, look, the Bible first and foremost is about Jesus before it's about anything that we, any sort of agenda we bring to it, and then we get down into the core of this passage, verse 16, submitting to Jesus through the Bible, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so when he says all scripture, what he's saying by that is he's saying everything that is scripture, all scripture, scripture, the whole thing, right? From Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation, the whole thing, the scope of what he's talking about is what? Then he goes into saying all scripture is what? Breathed out by God. And he's using that, what he means by that phrase is it's a character of scripture, Right? It's the character of what scripture is like. Um, it has the character of being breathed out by God. And what that means is like, um, like, if you were to say like, well, what is, uh, what is Bill like? Well, Bill is a, in, a, a man of integrity, like his character. Like he's a, he's a, he's a char- his character, one of the aspects of his character is he's, he's an integrity guy, integrous guy. But you know, so like, if you like, well, why do you hate? Um, why do you hate uh, Loki in <laughs> the Avengers? Because he's a dirtbag liar, right? <laughs> that's why you hate him because he's a he's a liar. But you still kind of like him because he's kind of fun, right? But his character is a liar. Um, so when you start about character, it's like that's that's kind of like what. It's kind of like an all-encompassing thing about the person or the thing. And so when it comes to the Bible, Paul is saying the character of the Bible is to be breathed out by God. It is, it, the character is it comes from God and it's his voice, right? It's, it's the, the, the breath of God. It comes from him. And then the purpose of it, so we're going to come back and re, we're going to kind of circle around this verse for a second. But the purpose of it is that it's profitable. It's useful. Right, it has an effect. It does something to us. It changes us. It changes our lives, and it it, cha- it shapes us. Right. So, what I want to point out is that this character, right, the, all Scripture is breathed out by God. When you to kind of help fill this out, one of the things that's helpful is to look at First Peter. Uh, can we go to the next slide? There we go. First Peter one twenty, Second Peter one twenty one. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God, right, so here's that breathing out, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That carried along means that the Holy Spirit comes along and speaks through the words that somebody is writing, so as Paul's writing, as he speaks through it, so that it is, it is like coming and, and sitting right next to the mouth of God. So what I want to point out here is that the very nature of the Bible is to be the word of God, and so wait. How do we do that? Because this is what uh, objections I get from my, my unbelieving friends all the time. Look, the Bible is written by man, um, and man can't be trusted, and therefore I can't trust that it's the word of God, right? So that's kind of the, and it's understandable, right? Um, how many, how many of us know perfect people who always say the right things, true things, <laughs> right? Um, or uh, if we ever, if we have a, a suspicion of government or religion? We just assume, right, these guys can't be trusted. Well, what's being held, for us, held out for us here is this great picture that, um, look, people were not created sinful, right? We were created good and being able to say true things about God and to en- and know God and to enjoy God. And the problem is that sin comes in and corrupts us. And so what these verses are saying is that when Paul And all the life leading up to how he thought about things, his grammar structure, how he liked things, didn't like things, you know, had a good day, had a bad day, all those things. God comes in and he says, okay, Paul, we're going to write a letter to our friend Timothy. And every thought that comes to your mind is going to be untainted by sin. And I'm going to help you not replace your thinking or who you are, your personality, but I'm going to come alongside and I'm going to speak words through you that are truly your words. So when when Paul is writing this, these are actually Paul's thoughts, right? Like, uh, Timothy, do this, don't do that, avoid this person, do this, don't do that. But as Paul is processing that and thinking that, all his thoughts are in step or in tune, right? Kind of like, um, if you think of like a sword and the sheath, right? Like they both go together at the same time. Like God is speaking through Paul as Paul is thinking and speaking these words of his own accord. I know that's kind of a bit technical, You guys, hang with me. Sorry, I just feel it's really hot in here. Like I just, I try to turn the AC on. Like I'm sorry, (laughs) but it's it's what we um the phrase that we tend to use here is is verbal inspiration, right? So that the very words that Paul writes. So this is why um, it's really it's really important and helpful for uh, people, specifically pastors and scholars, to be able to read the original languages. Because what's being said here is that as Paul wrote this and the original words, like all the little grammar and all the words and, you know, Isaiah's like high class, like Isaiah went to Harvard. And um, then you have guys like Haggai and other guys in the Old Testament that clearly went to like, you know, yeah, some not great school, you know, <laughs> Alabama. No, I'm kidding. Sorry. <laughs> they um that you have, like, these full range of styles and words and how they go together, but that is God speaking through all those different lifestyles and structures and, you know, education levels. Those are really God's words through different types of people. And what's helpful to remember is that God speaks his, what he wants to say to us through different types of people about the full range of the Christian life, of, the, of our human experience. Right? Like, when things are a horrible day and you wonder, God, can it get any worse, God, why is this person against me? Why is this person lying about me? God, why, um, why do these people hate me? Why does it seem like I can't ever do anything well? Why does it think like I have? T- why does it seem like I have two left feet? God, why is it that I am so broken and sinful that I keep going back to the same things? God, why is it that I can't seem to get ahead in life? Well, the, the helpful thing is that God actually spoke to us using words that express those very things. Like, that's why we keep looking back to the Psalms, is that the Psalms are filled with people yelling at God's face, God, why is it like this? And God filling it, filling those, those are his words, right? Which is crazy to me to think. God inspired a bunch of prayers in the middle of his book saying, God, what's the deal with this? And those are actually God's words. So when you read them, here's the point. If you want to know God and get to hear him, like just open up his Bible and start reading it. Like that's the that's the point of what Paul's saying here. Is right when God speaks through His Word. Those these are Paul's words, but this is God speaking. Like just like you would like when if you and I are talking. Like yeah, text is like you know text is hor- texting is horrible. Like we should never text each other ever again. We should always just like like come and talk to each other face to face because face to face is always best, right? This is God, this, this is speaking to God face to face when you look down and you read his word. Like if you want to hear him, just read it out loud. <laughs> That's how we hear from God. And so at the core of what's going on here, right, these are all God's words spoken to us about Jesus, right? Jesus is a center point and they're all about Jesus. So that means that this Bible is Jesus' Bible. And so when we come to Jesus and we, we live in him and trust him, we're submitting to his word, right? That's why, so submitting to Jesus through the Bible. All the Bible is about Jesus. Just like God spoke the Bible which with perfect words through human words, Jesus took on the son of God, took on flesh and lived a life that we couldn't live to bring us near to God and just be able to enjoy God. And so we submit to God, submit to Jesus through his word, And to go back to the reformation this was one of the core issues that was going on right because we submit to God we submit to Jesus through his word not through the church it is great for you guys to be here for us to be here together but this this worship time our time together does not bring us closer to God right it doesn't get you closer to God by getting you points with God or anything like that it We experienced a presence of God more intimately because we're with God's people. But uh, there's nothing that's going to get you brownie points in heaven by coming. I mean, maybe. I'll give a good word in for you. But what's happening in the Reformation back with Luther is that the reason that they looked to the Bible was because the church said that the Bible was the word of God. So the Reformation, you have one of these core issues that's going on. Um, Is the Bible God's word because God said it? Or is the Bible God's word because we said that, right? The church, the Roman Catholic Church at the time and the Roman Catholic Church still to this day will say that this is uh, God's word because the church, the Roman Catholic Church says it's the word of God. Rather than what we would say, and this is what the Reformation is saying, the Bible is, to use the phrase, self-authenticating, right? Like when I'm talking, you know, hey, these are Jacob's words, and that's what Paul's saying here. When God's talking, you know these are God's words. Like you don't need anything else to tell you except for God saying, here's what I'm saying. And that's at the core of the issue of the Reformation, which still goes on to this day, right? So like whenever we have like, um, uh, sometimes like we'll have things where um, there'll be issues that come up. Where we want to help them to understand the Bible. And people will ask me questions. And it's like, I try to help people understand You you don't believe whatever I'm about to say, just because I'm a pastor and I say it. Like just because I'm a pastor does not mean that I'm inherently right about the Bible or anything else. Um, We need to see it in the Bible. Like my my job is to help you guys understand. Here is what the Bible says and why it says it, and how we understand that. Right. So I was had a friend or uh, talking with one of you guys recently about an issue and it's not it's like an issue that's not really clear uh what the bible says about it one way or the other and so the way we talked through it is just basically say like well what are principles that we get from the bible and how do we kind of apply those to how we live our lives and i'm not going to let you say well i'm just going to do this because jacob says so (laughs) Like that's, if anybody ever says that, I'm going to punch you right in the face because I'm not, you can't live your life like that. Like your lives has to be lived. Here's what God's word says. And this is what I'm going to do. What God's word says, not because of some pastor who says it or your you know, whatever, whoever the, your favorite pastor is that you read online or whatever, like God bless his soul. John Piper is the best, but I'm not going to just do what John Piper says because John Piper says it or whoever else your celebrity pastor is like, uh, that's not a dig on those guys. They're great, but we look and we we receive the authority of Jesus through his word not through pastors and churches, right? Which I think is helpful for our friends who are not Christians because often um, my experience with my non-Christian friends is that it's like, well, I have a beef with the church. This is my experience growing up. Um, and so then uh, God must be like that and all Christians are like that. Well, first off, yes, Christians are dirtbags and we all need Jesus, but or separate the church away from who Jesus is and as he reveals himself in the Bible. Because Jesus is way better than we could even at King's Cross. Guys, I love our worship times and I look forward to decades and decades of life together and seeing more people come to Jesus and glorifying his name in the state of New Hampshire. But if, even if Jesus gives us 100 years, we could never say how great Jesus is. The Bible says it perfectly and that's why we're always going to be looking to submit to Jesus through the Bible. We want to see him and enjoy him and lift him up and we're always going to be Bible-centric, right? Because we want, to be, we want Jesus to be made great and we want to submit to him. So just to, I just want to emphasize that, right? One of the core issues of the Reformation was is the church your authority or is God's word your authority? And I hope you hear me saying God's word is your authority in our life together. So a few questions just to kind of re- choose to bring that down. Are you aiming to bring all of your life and thought and submission to God's word? If this is God's word to us and it's true and it's good, are you aiming to bring all of your life in the submission and enjoyment of God's word? Another question, what are ways you've seen God's goodness in submitting to his word? One of the great things about submitting to Jesus that Paul lays out for us, right? He says, verse 16, at the end of verse 16, right? Scripture is good, and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. Which means that we see God's word have an effect in our lives. Like before we start saying, like, how are you? How are you doing a horrible job of reading God's word, and why? Why aren't you reading the Bible more? Like, okay, those are good questions to ask, but. What Maybe set the tone on, like, how have you seen God's goodness in obeying his word? Like, how have you seen his, his goodness in obeying his word for you? I mean, the reality is, like, I've seen God's goodness in my, in my life. I'm walking through depression. Like, just saying, like, okay, God, this is hard and dark, and I don't know how to get out of here. But I'm going to keep looking to you because you're faithful. And his word leads us through, through the dark days because he's faithful and it leads us right to him. It, and it's had an effect on my life. And I just to lay that out there, what are ways that you've seen God's word having a good effect in your life? And then another question, what are, are there parts of Jesus' word that you struggle to understand or obey? There's some of those guys that, just given that we're Americans um, and that we have American lenses um, and that, more than that we're sinners and so we just tend to be broken Um, there's going to be parts of God's word that are hard to understand They seem kind of like counterintuitive like why would God say that Um, is that really true is that what God means Um, I just want to say like if those are parts that you struggle with to understand whatever those areas are that come to mind like why don't we bring those up for discussion in our small groups like just say like hey like I struggle with this like can you help me understand it or can we look at this together it's okay to ask questions (laughs) You know, it's okay to ask questions about God's Word. It's not okay to stick stick there, right? Just to say like, I'm going to stick my fork in the ground and I'm not going to move. Like, no, we want to we want to understand. We're leaning into submitting to Jesus' Word. So that's that's what Paul's holding out for us here, right? Because it, the the Bible is God speaking to us face to face, and it's going to have an effect in our lives. So that's what we're going to look at last. You guys hanging with me here, or do I need to close it up? We're cool. All right. I mean, I'm going to keep going if you like it or not, but we're going to. I just want to make sure we are all on the same page. Uh, growing in Jesus by the Bible. Uh, verse 14, and then down to 16 and 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and then down. To 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. One of the great outcomes of the Reformation and we see this in verse 16 what we've just been talking about is that God is personally near to us. If you want to know what God thinks about you how he is happy with you in Jesus, how he has forgiven you all of your sins from this past week, from today? Is he near? Does he know what's going on? Does he know your struggles? You just have to open his word and hear him. He's near to us. And of the effects that that has on us is that it changes our heart from being this clenched fist towards God to being eager to receive from him. And when we receive from God, God's word does not produce barren trees. It doesn't produce trees and fruit. uh, It doesn't produce like wastelands in our lives. Like God's word, like it comes in and produces fruit. That's like the vineyard picture all through the Bible is God's word comes out and it accomplishes exactly what he intends for it to do. So if you're wondering, God, where are you? God, how do I address this? How do I deal with my neighbors that are hard to deal with? How do I deal with my children that are hard to deal with? How do I how do I love my job that's a struggle? How do I engage my family that are struggling? All scripture is God personally right here near you and is breathed out by God and is profitable to help you. So that's why we keep looking to the Bible because, uh, Herman Bavinck, who's like a friend, a, a Dutch guy from the last century, he had this great phrase. Um, we can go to the next slide over if we can. But no, too far. Did I not get in there? Might not have gotten in there. Sorry, guys. We can go back. Oh, there we go. That's good. Stay right there. No, 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 no. I skipped that. I forgot to mention that. We'll go to there. We go. Um, Bavinck has this great phrase where he says that God, the Bible is not only God breathed, but it's God breathing. Right? God, God's breathing. He's constantly speaking to us through His Word. And it has this effect on it. It shapes us, right? It shapes and focuses us and it builds us around who He is and what it's like to be with God. And it happens over time. That's one of the things I think that's why Paul starts in verse 14. But as for you, continue what you have learned and have firmly believed. We're often attracted to quick fixes and self-help. And the reality is that becoming more like Jesus takes time. The effect of God's word over a long period of time is that it produces richer and richer fruit. I I love that we read from Isaiah 25. It mentions well-aged wine. Well-aged wine takes a long time to become really good. It takes a long time for God's word in our lives to really begin to delve down in deep and produce well-aged wine for God. Um, it's kind of like how, I don't know if you guys have had this as you've gotten older, but I've discovered that as, uh, as much as I didn't want to become like my dad when I was 16, that I've become my dad now that I'm in my 30s. <laughs> I do things like my dad that I don't mean to, right? Like I will, I'll, uh, my dad does, did this thing where he would clap his hands a certain way, or he would, like, um, in moments where we were being uh, teenage jerks, he would yell at us in a certain way. Um, and i have done the same thing now. Like, I clap my hands in a certain way, and my kids aren't teenagers, but they might as well be. Um, and I yell at them in a certain way, and it's, I become like my dad because I spent, like, what, you know, 18 years at my parents' house. And then I still like my dad, and I enjoyed being around him, so he still influences me and shapes me. God's word has the same effect. Like, we can't look to God's word like a quick fix. Like, um, God's word, okay, I'm struggling with anger, and the Bible says, um, you know, uh, anger only reads, uh, what, sinful anger only leads to, uh, what's, the, what's the Bible verse? say I'm here, I'm a pastor, I can't remember. Like, uh, anger only re- leads to, um, here, I'm having a, dropping out of my head right now. But all I'd say, Like, so if we take, like, an anger verse and we just, like, apply it, like, you know, gentle words turn away wrath. So here we go. Right? Gentle words turn away wrath. Proverbs. Like, we can't just take that and apply it on a Bible verse on our arm and say, like, ah, it's all fixed. Like, no, like, we have to, like, stew in that and realize, like, oh, no, why why is my heart wanting these things? And why am I using these angry words against somebody? And why am I doing this? Like, well, that takes time for God's word to begin to uproot show what's going on underneath and have other people to confess our sins to and help us work through that. God's word has that effect over a long period of time. But the word does work in us, right? Paul says that it's for reproof, for training, profitable, for teaching, right? So it teaches us how to think for reproof and correction. It changes us and it causes us to say, oh, look, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be saying this. I shouldn't be wanting this. For correction, which is to say, not only does it reproof us, say you shouldn't be wanting things, but it shows me the things I should want. Oh, I, I should think about people these things. I should think about the opposite sex in this way. I shouldn't be lusting after them in this sort of way, right? It's, not only should I you know, not be looking at them lustfully, but it's actually I should be like looking at them like as another person created with dignity and worth. That's just one small way, right? Re- reproof, like I shouldn't be um, having all these jealous thoughts over the people. I should be grateful for what God's given them. So it, it checks us and it shows us so that we may become tra- training in righteousness, so we can become more like Jesus. Right, The word, not me, not the church, not Martin Luther, <laughs> not John Calvin, not the reformers, the word is what God uses to shape shape you and change you. Right? I hope that you enjoy being a church, and I hope that God uses me to help you and care for you and pastor you. And Martin Luther is great, and John Calvin, I love him more, but Those guys will not shape and change you. God's word will. (laughs) Because this is God speaking to you face to face. God speaking directly to you. That is why the Reformation starts and builds on this whole principle of sola scripture. We will only begin and start and, and live our lives under the authority not of King's Cross or Sovereign Grace Churches or Jacob or whoever else. We will only live and abide by God's word as our final authority. Other things will help. But God's Word will be the one thing that comes in and shapes and changes us. So again, can I plead with you, what is your time in God's Word look like? Does it look like I'm looking for Jesus and I want to become more like him because I want to hear from him and submit to him? Is it trying to figure out an emergency Bible verse for you? To hold up a verse, a uh, hobby horse? Are you looking to find Jesus in the Word? What's your plan? Just read a chapter a day. I promise you'll get through the Bible in three years. It'll be great. Trusting God at his word, trusting God's true words is is at the heart of what we're talking about. Because God speaks to us to help us. You realize that God's not near. That's the whole point. God's speaking. Are we trusting his words? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word ask you would help us as we look to apply it and we thank you for how you've spoken to us through these words together. God, help us this week to look to you and to lean on you and to trust you for your word in our lives. God, your words are true and so Father, we ask that you would help us to lean on them. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Thank you